On tonight, we are continuing the Bible study series that we began some weeks ago. The series is entitled The Promises of God During a Time of Crisis. The Promises of God During a Time of Crisis. The theme scripture for the series is 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, the New King James Version. And it reads, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God are yes and amen. And they are manifest to the glory of God through us. On tonight, we are looking at the fifth promise in this series. We have talked about God will provide, that God uh, is a God of peace, perfect peace. We've talked about God will make a way. On tonight, in this fifth message, the subject of this teaching tonight is he will restore us. He will restore us. When we think about restoration, think about in a time of crisis, one of the main questions, one of the major uh, thoughts of those who are going through something is how will I be when I come out of this? Even in the midst of this pandemic, there are people who are wondering, how will I be when I come out of this? There are people that are wondering, how will my business be when this is over? I've talked to so many people, ministers, pastors, and just lay leaders in churches and houses of worship. And they too, we too, are wondering, how will we be? Will church ever be the same again? How will people respond? Because this is unprecedented. We have never seen anything like this before. There is uh, no vaccine available right now. Over 56, 57, and close to 60,000 people in this country alone have lost their lives. Over 200 plus thousand in the world. So the question is a legitimate question. How will we be? How will we come through this? Remember, one of the promises is that we will come through it. But the question tonight, the promise we're looking at tonight is a promise from God that when this is all over, God will restore us. God will restore you. As we've done in each of these lessons, each of these Tuesday night teachings, God has instructed us to share seven scripture references about this subject. Seven scripture references. And on the seventh one, we will elaborate and put it in some uh, greater context. With that in mind, the first scripture reference uh, from the promise of God will restore us 
is an iconic reference as it relates to restoration. In fact, perhaps if you were to ask Bible scholars, give me one scripture in the Bible that talks about restoration, this will perhaps be at the top. And the seventh scripture that we will conclude with perhaps would be also in debate as the greatest scripture in the Bible to deal with restoration. This is found in the book of Joel. The prophet Joel writes in chapter 2 and verse 25, the new King James Version. He talks about a time in which pestilence and plagues have rocked the land. Pestilence and plagues came and devastated everything. If you read earlier in chapter 2, it says what the locusts didn't eat, the canker worms ate, and what they didn't eat, other insects came, and it just totally wiped out their agricultural system, which provided and maintained their livelihood. Without crops, there would be no money to be made, and so it was a famine in the land. It was a natural pestilence that came and it created havoc in the land. The prophet talked about it. God outlines it. I would encourage you when this uh, service is over to go and mark this as one of the uh, references that you will study this week. And you will find that in the second chapter of the book of Joel, it starts out talking about devastation. It talks talking about that. In fact, there is a message that God has given me to save for the first service. We are back in service with all of you. Uh, and I am preaching, I think, from this text. Again, God says there's something about restoration. Listen to what verse 25 says. Chapter 2 of the book of Joel, chapter and verse 25. And God writes and speaks through the prophet and says to the nation, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. <laughs> Time is not even going to permit me to get into the theology of that last clause in that verse. But look at the verse. God says, I will restore to you. And note what he said, not this year's devastation, but I am going to restore unto you the years that have been taken away from you. The years of productivity that has been destroyed. The years in which you could not make ends meet. The years in which your whole system of livelihood, the whole way you provided for your family uh, was in a crisis. God says, I will restore it. Ooh. What is so important in this is that God never said the government would be responsible for restoring what they really needed. God said he would restore not the government of Israel, but God himself 
would restore the years that they had lost. So I'm speaking to someone right now and says, yes, he will. God will restore what you have lost. The question is, how will you come through this? God says you're going to come through better. (laughs) You're going to come through all right. The second scripture reference is found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. We are reading this reference from the New Living Translation. I love this text. I love this text. And there are two words that I really love in this text, and we will talk about it. Look at what he writes in 1 Peter. Peter, the apostle, the chief apostle. Peter, the one that God put in charge of the New Testament church. Peter, with all of his faults, with all of his bad ways, God chose him to be the leader of this new Christian church. Peter did not write as prolifically as, say, John, or uh, certainly not Paul. But when he wrote, he wrote in short ways, did nothing elaborate, but they were so powerful. Look at what he says in verse 10, chapter 5, the New Living Translation. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus, So after you have suffered a little while, (laughs) key word in this is after you, after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, he will support, he will strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. What a powerful word concerning restoration. After this, he says, something good is going to happen to you. God says, the new King James says, after this, this is what God is going to do. He says, I will restore you. I will support you. I will strengthen you. And God says he will place you on a sure or a firm foundation. Let there be no doubt in your mind. Not only are we coming through this, we are coming through this being totally restored. Not just materialistic. Because oftentimes when we think of these scriptures, we think of financial things we've lost or material things that we've lost. But think about the emotional toll this pandemic has taken on so many lives. Think about those who are so depressed. I subscribe uh, to, a, to a journal for pastors, and one of the passages that I was reading today dealt with depression among believers. And what it said is that among believers and faith walkers, what they're being able to discern is that there seems to be an emerging level of high depression among believers because most people did not think this would last this long. Believers, faith walkers, we like to assimilate. We like to get together. We like to fellowship. And the article says when you cannot do that, uh, then it brings stress and it brings a toll on our bodies. (coughs) 
<coughs> look at this, what Peter writes. Peter says, after you have suffered a little while in this, God will do something. God will restore, God will support, and God will strengthen you. Put that scripture on the board. We want you to see it again. Take a look at what it says. God knew exactly what they needed. And he knew that Peter had to bring it. God says, I will do this for you. But the key is, after you've gone through something, after you've had to endure a little suffering, then God says, I will do this. The third scripture, the the third scripture is found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 30 and verse 17. It is the New International Version. And Jeremiah, the prophet, writes this. He, he says, God says through Jeremiah, I will give you back. Please look at this. I will give you back your health and heal your Wounds, says the Lord, for you are called. And he talks about the nation of Israel. He's talking about now what people are saying about them. You are called an outcast, Jerusalem, for whom no one cares about. God says, not only from a physical standpoint, but you've been emotionally crushed. You've been looked down on. You've been trampled on. You've had nations invade you, take away your young people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, taking them into captivity. But God issues a prophetic word. Remember what I said to you, uh, that God's deliverance, God's provisions are always preceded by God's word. God issues a prophetic word that says, I know you've been wounded. I know you're hurt. I know people view you as an outcast. And I know that there are folk who care nothing about you. But I will restore you and I will heal your wounds. Let me say something. I am convinced that he's not just talking about physical wounds. God's talking about those emotional wounds. When you've been Wounded in the house of a friend when you've been hurt and God says, don't worry, I will restore you. I will heal you. The emotional healing is just as good and maybe even better at times than physical healing. If God can heal your emotional wounds where you don't hurt anymore, you're not sitting around mourning anymore. You're trusting that God is making a way and God will restore that. That is the third scripture reference. Now, the fourth scripture reference is Psalms 51 and verse 12. Psalms 51 and verse 12. David writes this psalm. This is one of the iconic psalms written by David. This is the psalm that was written after David's fall from grace, after David had committed sin, after he sinned with Bathsheba, after he impregnated another man's wife and had that man murdered on the front line fighting 
for David's own kingdom. God sent the man of God to David and said to David, you sin. And the man of God said to David, you are the man. You are the one who had done this. Nathan said that to David. David did what all godly people do. You seek forgiveness from God. None of us are perfect. Uh, perhaps some of you that are viewing this right now, you have fallen from where you wanted to be in your walk with the Lord. And the enemy comes in and tells you that you'll never get back there, that, that God will never receive you again. You can never be what God wanted you to be. So David writes this powerful Psalms 51. Psalms 51 in which he says, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. In that Psalms, embedded in that Psalms, David says, Lord, against you and you only have I committed this sin. I have sinned before you. In other words, restoration has to be preceded with genuine repentance. I mean, you, you can't fake repent. You, you can't publicly uh, act as if you're sorry for what you've done, but yet you go back and continue doing the same thing over and over uh, again. David went to the Lord and told the Lord that I'm sorry, creating me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. Then he writes verse 12. Verse 12 is where we are going. In verse 12, David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. <laughs> Note what David never said. Lord, I, I need you to restore my kingdom. I need you to restore my wealth. He says, Lord, what I really need more than anything else is I need a restoration of my relationship with you. I am speaking directly to someone right now. And, and, and you're saying, Pastor Jackson, I feel this text because I too, I have not done what I should. And I've fallen from where God wanted me to be. But yet you can have this same prayer. David said, Lord, because I know something that before I can do anything, before I can lead a nation again, I've got to get right with you. I, I, you have to restore the relationship that you and I enjoy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And look at how this verse ends, the NIV translation. And make me willing to obey you. That's what I need, Lord. I, I need a right relationship with you. Because here's the deal. If, if, if I don't get it right with you, there will always be Bathsheba's. Uh, she isn't just one isolated incident because if my heart isn't right and if my relationship with you isn't right, uh, then the next time I see someone that looks as good as Bathsheba, I'm going to fall for the same thing over and over again. And let me say to you, I mean this from the depths of my heart. Perhaps a lot of our problems stem from we seek to mend horizontal relationships before we seek to make the vertical relationship right. The horizontal relationships is 
what David did to Bathsheba and what he did against his family and what he did to her husband. But David said, Lord, my greatest sin is, is, is not the adultery with Bathsheba, but my greatest sin is that I let you down. Is I let you down, Lord. And, and I need you to restore unto me that right relationship you and I had. Because I know if it's right with you, the only thing that's going to keep me from making this mistake again is that I have to have a right relationship with you. My question to you tonight is that are you asking God for the right thing? Maybe you're asking God to help uh, others forgive you that you wronged. And God says, what you really need is to ask me to forgive you because you've broken that sacred relationship between you and God. That is scripture number four. The fifth reference, the fifth reference, all of these verses can be a sermon by themselves. In fact, I have preached uh, an entire sermon at some point in my career as a minister from each one of these verses. The next scripture is really iconic, and that is Psalms 23. If Psalms 51 uh, was perhaps one of David's best, then debatable and perhaps not even debatable, Psalms 23 was his best. He writes in Psalms 23, you know that, the Lord is my shepherd, I share not one. But look at verse 3. In verse 3, he writes, he restoreth my soul. There it is. Now, don't, don't get the numerical order of the Psalms mixed up because they were not written in that numerical order. To the scholars who put uh, the canon of the Bible together, they were not written in that order. Psalms 23 was, in fact, written perhaps sometimes after Psalms 51. Uh, there are scholars who believe that he writes this towards the end of his life when he sits back and look at all God has done. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He hath led me in, in green pastures beside still waters. But look at what he says. He says, he restoreth my soul. What did he ask for in Psalms 51? Lord, I need to, to restore the joy of my salvation. Psalms 23 says God did it. God, God answered David's prayer. And God restored his soul. I, I want to speak to, it doesn't matter what you've done. Do not let those who are so judgmental, those who are so hypocritical, run you away from God permanently. And I'm not condoning anything or giving anybody a free pass to go and do what you want to do. But here's what I'm telling you. Nothing you could have done would have been so bad that God would not restore you. For he restored David having committed adultery with the captain of his army, his wife, and having him murdered and covered it all up. And yet he writes in Psalms 23, he restoreth my soul. He leads me, look at how this verse, now, see, if you read Psalms 23, 
in context with Psalms 51, Psalms 23 perhaps makes even more sense. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When God restored David, God led him in paths of righteousness. God said, I'll show you the way. Why? Because you've gotten a vertical relationship right with me. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you are doing, know this. God says, I will restore you. I want you back. I, I want to forgive you and I want to make you great. David went down in history as the greatest king in the history of Israel. Not only in the history of Israel, but it is arguably that David was the greatest king in the history of the Middle East. Excluding, including Nebuchadnezzar and all the others and all the other wonderful, powerful kings that built great kingdoms. David's name lives forever. Not that he was perfect, but that he knew that restoration was available to men, that broken relationship he had with God. Scripture number five. That was scripture number five. The sixth scripture reference is the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And he writes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. He says, finally, brethren, farewell. Then he says this, become complete. In other words, God is going to complete you. You haven't always been complete, but God will complete you. God will make you complete. Can I say something to someone who thinks other people can make you feel complete? It'll never happen. No relationship will ever make you feel complete. It has to be with God. Then Paul writes, be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And then he writes, as he concludes this verse, and the God of love and peace will be with you. No, it isn't easy, Paul writes, but God is going to complete you. <laughs> what you've lost, God will restore. and God will make you whole again. Someone, somewhere, the enemy has told you that that would never happen for you. I'm here to tell you that the enemy is a liar. God's word is that I'll make you complete. I'll bring you good comfort. I'll give you peace. And yes, I will be with you. Here is the seventh and the final scripture passage. It is found in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And let me share a little more detail with you about this scripture reference. This too involves King David. It involves David having 
been anointed as king, but yet he had not yet ascended to the kingdom. David had been anointed. God had validated him and told Samuel, the man of God, that I don't see as you see. You judge the outward appearance. You perhaps thought David's brother should be where I want David to be. But I've, David is my choice. <laughs> That's what God says. David is my choice. And as a result of that, people turned against David. His mentor, Saul, who was fine with David being his musician, but could never imagine David being his king. Saul turned against David because the people began to praise David. They began to say, Saul killed a thousand, David killed 10,000. And jealousy made Saul become an enemy. Gosh, I want to say that again. I wish I had time. Maybe at some point I'm going to come back with a Bible lesson called How Jealousy Turns Your Friend Into Your Enemy. It did. It turned a mentor into an enemy. And now he was David's enemy. He ran David away from Israel, ran David out of the territory. David found himself living in a place called Ziglag. Ziglag, right outside uh, where the Philistines live. Isn't it ironic that David, who killed the Philistine giant Goliath, now lives in their territory? He lives in a place called Ziglag. David doesn't have much. He has about 450 men who followed him. If you read the text, it would tell you that they all were outcasts and rejects. They were men that wouldn't even make it in the army of Israel, but they followed David. God raised them up to say, follow David. You're going to be his army. You have to have his back. David is still a mighty warrior, and he's defending enemies even in Ziglag. They're fighting enemies. Enemies are coming after them, trying to destroy them. Here's what the text says as I fast forward this. The text says at some point, at one point in a place called Ziglag, David and these men, this ragtag army made up of rejects are out fighting the battle. In fact, they are fighting the battle uh, with others uh, to defend against the enemy. And while they did that, Their enemy came behind them and destroyed his camp and destroyed the camp in Ziglag. The text says it was burned to the ground, took David's wives, took his children as hostage, took the men that were with David, took their family as hostage. They didn't have much. Ziglag was not a royal palace. Ziglag was not some place where people would marvel after and where it, it, it was not a destination where you came to 
looking to relax or, or, or looking uh, to kick back and enjoy yourself. Ziglag was in between where God was going to take David and what he had to go through. And he lost that. Listen to me. Ziglag had burned to the ground. David came back with his men. They were disgusted. They were hurt. You know the text, perhaps. David's men were so hurt. They were so disgusted. Um, Look at verse number six. It says, now David was greatly grieved. The New King James Version. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke his own men. He, He only had this ragtag army. And they spoke of stoning David because the souls of the people, their souls were grieved. Every man grieved for his sons and his daughters. (laughs) They all grieved. They were going to stone David. Here's what uh, the New King James says. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I, in fact, like the original King James Version that says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to the priests and David asked them to bring me uh, my sacred wardrobe because I am going before the Lord. Bring me what I wear when I seek guidance from the Lord. Look at this text in verse number eight. So David, here is the verse. So David inquired of the Lord. David said, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I go after them? And shall I or will I overtake them? Lord, I need an answer. I don't have much They've burned my camp to the ground. They've taken my family. The only friends I've got left want to stone me to death. And so should I pursue? And if I pursue, will I recover? Will I overtake them? Will I get it back? Look at the Lord's answer. As we prepare to end this message and present this altar opportunity for you. Look at the Lord's answer. And the Lord answered David with these words. The Lord said to David, pursue for you shall surely overtake them without fail and recover all. In other words, God says, go after them. But I'm telling you, even before you go, you're going to get it all back. You shall recover it all. What a powerful word. In the midst of distress, in the midst of a crisis, God sends a word. God's word is hold your head up. Pursue. Go forward as we talked about in Sunday's message with King Jehoshaphat. And know this, you shall recover it all. Not only did David get his family back, not only did David get his stuff back, but David took the enemy's stuff and made it his own. 
but God. Only God can say a crisis is going to make you better. You're going to come through this crisis, things you lost, not only will you get them back, but I'll give you more back. God says, I can bless you after the crisis. I can take you through it, and when you come out of it, I will make you a blessing. I will give you things you did not even have before the pandemic started. I'm speaking to someone right now. Here are God's words to you on this Tuesday night. God says he will restore us. God, will we come through this? The answer is yes, you will. God, will we make it through this? (laughs) The answer is yes, you will. God says, I will restore unto you. And so don't you doubt anymore how you're going to be when this is over. I have a one word answer for you. When anybody asks, how are you going to be when this is over? One word, better. (laughs) One word, God's going to restore And God's going to make you better and greater than what you've had before. Listen to the words of Donna Lawrence. God says, I will restore unto you the years. Lend me your ears. Thus said the Lord. Amen. I need you to call us while we're preparing to sing this song. 888-776-1238. God says, He wants to talk to someone. He wants to reassure someone right now. Just know that my word will not return unto me void. Listen to the words of Donna Lawrence in this powerful song. Your time I've sustained. There's no need to fear. Listen to this. I am restoring the years you've sown in tears God is restoring the years that we have sown in tears as our praise team blesses us stop what you're doing right now just you and God come on yeah listen yeah yeah let God speak to your heart yeah Thus said, just know, will not return void, God said. Listen to this, your time, there's no need to fear. God is saying, praise to you. Yeah, yeah. Speak to somebody right now, Lord. Yeah. The writer, no matter how long, things will work out just fine. 
Deposit this word, Lord. There's no need. There's no need to fear. Ah. tonight I will restore unto you the years that you've lost I, I, I've stopped being stressed about how long this is going to last what my prayer is now that Lord give somebody else the peace and the joy that no matter how long it lasts let them know that they're going to be alright and you're going to come through this better and stronger and greater than you've ever been before. Call this number. Call this number. 888-776-1238.
There's some ministers there to pray with you right now. You can call even when this service has ended. You can call. We will upload this service if you want to share it with others. Let them know that God's got an answer. If the question is, how will you be when this is over? The answer is, you're going to be all right. You will be better because God will restore us. Close those eyes if you can. Lift those hands if you're in a position to do that, wherever you are right now. If you can pause from whatever you're doing and just lift those hands uh, right now. Just you and God. <laughs> just you and God. Lord, we thank you so much for yet another lesson. Thank you for yet another promise. Promise number five is that you will restore us, Lord. It doesn't matter how long the crisis lasts. What matters is that you've already answered the question. Uh, we are coming out of this greater and better. Lord, you will restore our souls. You will restore our spirits. You will restore our joy. <laughs> what the enemy thought they stole forever. <laughs> You're going to not only give it back to us, but make us stronger, greater, and better than what we've ever been before. Someone will praise you unlike they've never praised you before. Someone will walk in faith unlike they've never done before. Have your way, Lord. You're the God of restoration. You're the God of our hope, the God of our joy. And so we send you across the airways. We say to those of you who are depressed and you're ready to get out of the house, hold your head up. Give God praise and joy wherever you are, knowing that God's got a plan. And when this is all over, after this, God will get some glory. Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We praise you. Thank you. for If, if there's anybody tonight under the sound of my voice, Lord, I want to give their life to you. Let them call that number tonight. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody, wherever you are, say amen. Come on, praise team. Take it up higher. Tell them what they're doing. Then God will. God says, I'm going to do something in your life. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, call that number on the screen. Don't you give up. Don't you let the enemy convince you that you will never come out of this. And that if you do, you will never be the same. Perhaps that is correct. You won't be the same because you will be better. God says, I'll do something great in your life. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this service. Thank you for your contributions to this ministry. We ask that you continue to sow your seed into your local ministries as well. Be a blessing to them wherever they may be. Know that God's got your back. No matter what you're going through, 
God says, I've got your back. Join us Sunday morning as we continue this series, God's Stimulus Package. We're going to talk about another component of God's Stimulus Package, and it is a powerful component. It is called prayer. It is called prayer. Something happens when you pray. In fact, I just want you to know that prayer saved my life, and prayer will save your life. Text us uh, a testimony, share with us on email, share with your neighbors and friends. Let us pray for the benediction. Now may the grace of God and the sweet blessing of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us all. No matter where they are, meet them, Lord. Comfort them, console them. Uh, be with them, walk with them. Let your presence dwell with them now tomorrow and forevermore and wherever you are lift those hands and tell the lord thank you and amen and amen look forward to seeing you sunday 8 live 11 o'clock live you can view any of the services all day go on demand anytime all day god bless you We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to our service. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please share. For more information and for additional announcements, please be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org. We'd like to thank you for your continued support to the ministry of Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Here are the following ways that you can give. Online through My Connections via our website, bwcar.org. By texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. Recurring through automatic draft through your bank account or My Connections. You can also send a check via mail to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road, Accounts Receivable, P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Thank you for joining us today. We miss your beautiful faces. Please stay encouraged, stay connected, and stay with God. Again, thank you so much for being a part of this services. Please share this with your family, friends, neighbors, co-workers. And remember, although you may be shut in, you're never shut out. If you need prayer, if you need someone to talk to, you can always reach us here. It is our privilege to serve you during these times. Thank you again and join us next time here at Bible Way. God bless you. God bless you.